0: It's funny, I have, you know, we're closing out this marriage series, but I really feel Holy Spirit's going to shift some things, so I'm going to hit on marriage, but I really think I'm going to speak on faith in some areas, because I believe that there's there's a lot of things in this room that we are dealing with, we are facing, and I think we need to know how do we activate our faith, and what does that look like in the story? It's, it's so God, what even had me had me look at. So understand I'm teaching on marriage, but I'm also wanting you to look at the avenue of faith when it comes to this story, okay? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we come before you right now, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to meet us in this place. Holy Spirit, to come and speak to us this morning. God, not my words, but your words be spoken in this house today, right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, if you believe it, Amen. Okay, I will go quicker if you talk back to me. So if you would rather this be 30 minutes versus 38 minutes, you just amen me and you can get out early, okay? Sounds good. All right. And it's better. It's better to communicate and go back and forth. If this is your first time, we just want to welcome you to Reach Church. We are a very very quiet church, um, very somber. I'm kidding. Uh, We are excited about the things of God. We believe that he is alive, he is moving, and we just love him. And we want to make him famous. We don't care about Reach Church's name. We don't care about our names. We only care about one name, and that's the name of Jesus. Because at that name, every knee has got to bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Okay. See, I grew up in church, not how we do church sometimes, where it's real quiet. Okay. No? All right. It's okay. My daughter's going to help me once she grows up older. I'm going to teach her the ways of church because it's already in her DNA, and I'm excited about that. So um, if you're taking notes today, um, what I'm talking about is to have and to hold. Most of us that have gotten married, we said that somewhere in the midst of our vows to have and to hold. But there is a way to have something and not hold it. And I think that's part of the problem is a lot of times in our life, we have something, but we're not holding it. I have this, but did I really hold on to it? Abraham Lincoln was talking to a group of people and he said, um, if there's a dog and we're going to say that one of his tails was a leg, how many legs did the dog have? Everybody said five and he said, no, four, just because I called it a leg, didn't make it a leg. Just because what you're calling is marriage doesn't make it a marriage unless it looks like a marriage the way God intended it to be. And I'm here to encourage you that if your marriage doesn't look the way the Bible explains it and shows it, that you lay down your life for your spouse, today there's good news. You're going to walk out of here doing it better because we can always be better. We can always do better but a lot of times we spiritualize certain areas in our life that are emotionally broken. So we'll throw a slap of scripture on it instead of actually dealing with the trauma and the issues that are underlying inside of us that are keeping us from fully having the marriage that God intended. Because somewhere in pre-marriage counseling, you either didn't have it or you did. And you just said, well, we don't ever fight. So I'm not really worried about communication and the, the, the pastor might've not been smart enough to realize that's a wrong answer because you're going to argue. If you're not, we tell couples If they've told us that, well, you better get in one if you want us to marry you and you better come back and tell us how it went. Better throw something. No, no, we don't throw things. That was just me when we first got married. So I had some demons to get rid of. And so I literally think Brian looked at me one time and said, are there legions in there? Or am I just dealing with one? <laughs> So Sometimes you say things you shouldn't in the middle of it. It was legions. Yeah, at that time there was. So um, I was just, you know, there was a lot of trauma in certain areas that I didn't realize were being triggered due to my insecurity. You know, last week we talked about, and I'm going to call them Sarah and Abraham today. I know their names were changed, so just get over it. I just want to say their names. I don't want to say Sarah and Abraham t- today, okay? So, but I don't email me that, you know, Pastor Alicia. really, their names hadn't changed. I know. Just but for today, okay? So today, no emails. Don't comment on the comments either. Okay, so that's <laughs> okay. That's why the emails don't go to me anymore because I would just be like, why is somebody asking this? And they're like, somebody else needs to handle this. You're, you're just too intense. Okay, so we talked about Sarah and Abraham, and I want to continue where we were at because we got to a certain place in their story, but there's so much more to their story. And so if you'll turn in your Bibles, your tablet, your iPhone, if you have another kind of phone, walk out right now because you did not hear from Jesus. Um, I'm kidding. Don't email me. All right, so Genesis 15, 4 through 5. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir. This is Abraham was saying, apparently because we can't have children, I can let one of my servants have a kid and we'll just call it mine. For you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. One of the things that we have to remind ourselves is God sees the things we cannot see. God knows things that we do not know. And we have to trust in that. For some reason, there's this this frustration a lot in the Christian. I'm noticing it so much in the Christian uh, circle right now that people are just blaming God for so many things. Do you not remember that even Adam ate a piece of fruit? And the world was given over to Satan. But for some reason, we have a wrong mentality. Oh, well, if that person died, that was God's will. Oh, if this happened, God was trying to teach you something. No, trials and tribulations are going to happen because we live in this fallen world. But what I've come to do is I will come in and I will turn everything bad into good. You know, in situations where I've talked to people that have experienced abuse or different things like that, there were situations that God was trying to get through to stop it. See, what people say is, why didn't God just stop a person from shooting? Why doesn't God just stop a person from abusing? Because God does not mess with free will. That's why we have the ability to choose him or not choose him. What God has to do is use people. So when I've talked to certain people, they'll say, well, well, before the abuse happened, so and so, you know, my, my, my mom or my dad knew not to maybe marry that person. God was trying to intervene. There were moments that God was trying to do that. So understand, don't paint God in, in a picture that he's doing something to harm you. He was always looking for a way of escape. And what he says is, whatever happened, I'm going to make it good. That's my promise. And in this situation with Abraham and Sarah, they've been through something. Her own husband was willing to give her up so that he could be protected. And I think in marriages, a lot of times uh, as women, and I'm gonna speak to you to protect our, because we're, we can be so insecure to protect that, we will actually hold back a lot of things inside of us. If it's intimacy, because of the pain and the trauma and our husbands don't understand, they think they've done something wrong. But we're holding back to protect ourselves when God gave us somebody that actually was going to help heal the very areas that need to be made whole. That's why God says it's better for you not to be alone. Why? Because he knows that a helper can come and begin to help heal some things. So Abraham gets a word from the Lord and says, no, I'm telling you, look into the sky, count the stars. And then all of a sudden in Genesis 16, verses two to three, This is what we hear. So Sarah said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Well, we know that's not true because we know the word that came already from God. What we don't know is did Abraham share that word with her? So go and sleep with my servant. So now she's giving him to somebody else. Same pattern, just different, done differently. Perhaps I can have children through her. Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. Last week, Abraham silenced Sarah. This week, Sarah silenced Abraham. This is a pattern in their marriage, and it's based off of fear. Abraham had fear that something was going to happen to him. Sarah is so afraid of not giving him an heir, she's come up with a different plan that's outside of God's will. How many plans have you made that are outside of what God wanted? Any of y'all date anybody you shouldn't have dated? Any of y'all get on eHarmony and Match.com or was that just me? And date some people that were questionable. Realize real quick after the first date that we were not calling again. No, I'm an idiot that let somebody drive up from Dallas to meet me and I was stuck hanging out with this joker for two days. Thank God we had eight services happening at the church. So I was extremely busy. So I kept saying, you know, I don't, you know, finally, I was like, I remember when he drove off, it was like this, like, whoo, just this relief. And he was under the impression it went great. I'm pretty, if you know me at all, it is pretty obvious what I think is awesome and not awesome. If I don't like something, I mean, I just, I wear everything. So how he didn't pick that up, I do not know. But I begin to realize, Alicia, you are trying to create, and I remember telling myself, you're trying to create an Ishmael instead of waiting for Isaac. If you know the story, Abraham and Sarah end up, I know, spoiler alert, I'm still going to go back. I'm telling you the end of the movie, but we're still going to go through parts of the movie, um, that Isaac was the son that she had. Ishmael was the son that the servant had. Now, I want to I clarify, the servant didn't do anything wrong. She was obedient. That's why if you read in the Bible, God blesses her. But we notice in this moment that that Sarah now silences Abraham. And what I want you to look at is if you're married, dating, single, because even single people do this, they'll silence their friends because you'll practice what you'll do in marriage with people you're closest with. Are you silencing them where they cannot tell you what they feel? You know, Brian shared the story that, you know, we adopted a baby uh, a little bit over a month ago, but I was—I was—you I was, uh, know—we have a five-year-old, and she took five years to get pregnant with, and um, so it was another three years that I was trying to get pregnant with another one. And I'll never forget—I was at a place where I thought, God, am I holding on to something, and you've got a different plan? And I remember Brian one night having the courage because I'm not—I'm not a a very quiet, meek woman. So I, you know, when I get something in my head, it is in my head to do, okay? I was like, no, I am birthing this baby, you know, God said it, I know it, you know, and that's what I'd been saying for three years, you know, there's just things you know, you know, and so you just, you know, it's like, okay, calm down, I'm not, I'm not coming at you, I'm, you know, and so he kind of just left it alone, and I'll never forget one night he said, I'm really feeling like we should be taking the steps towards adoption. I remember the moment he said that this peace just overwhelmed me, because I'm, I'm, I'm very competitive. And I'm very determined. That's what they told me in fourth grade. That that was my fruit of the spirit. That's not a fruit of the spirit, but that's okay. That's what they wrote on my paper because they couldn't find one that I fit. Apparently, <laughs> I mean, I had joy. <laughs> I mean, you know, couldn't you just give me that one? But that's okay. So they wrote down she's determined. And I knew going into this that I had been, ter- had, I had, I was competitive and determined. That this will happen. I can. This this will happen. I have enough faith. I have enough. All of these things. And I remember when he said it, peace just began to overwhelm me. And, you know, this was the end of October, so right around after uh, Thanksgiving week, after Thanksgiving, that weekend, I emailed an adoption place. They called us on December 7th, no, December 2nd, we had our first conversation. January 7th, they called, you're approved, and the baby's coming in 13 days. That's very fast. Some people have emailed me, and they're like, man, that kind of happened fast you guys. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's typical, so don't, I don't know. You know, to me, it didn't seem like a typical situation, but it was such a God situation because I think to myself, had he been afraid of me silencing him and not said that, we wouldn't have Anaya right now because God knew. And what is so amazing about God is I went to God because I said, God, I don't like to feel like I miss you. You know, that not miss you, like, oh, I miss you, like, miss you on something. Clarify that, (laughs) because I do miss him. Um, But like, you know, I don't want to feel like I miss what you spoke. And I remember asking, Holy Spirit, can you just, can you bring some illumination to this situation? I was driving in the car, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, well, and because this is how we talk, they talk normal, if they don't, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, but the Holy Spirit will just talk to you like a friend will talk to you. And the Holy Spirit said, well, had... You felt released for adoption three years ago when you started to try to make a baby. Would you have not gotten one by now? And I thought, no, that's a great point. Probably would have. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit said, yeah, but Anaya wasn't going to be born yet. And she's the one that's called to be with you. So you are allowed to stand and believe for something till it begin to shift. Because God has to deal with time. So did God light? No, no, you need to understand. God will allow me to feel something because no, I didn't have a burning bush experience where God said, you're having a baby out of your womb. It's what I felt. God will allow me to feel a way to stay in something till it's time to shift. Have you already prayed about something all of a sudden you feel a shift? All of a sudden you feel like, oh, we're going in a different direction. Oh, I thought I was gonna move, but now something, because God is dealing with time and there was three and a half years of time that had to be there in order for us to get her when she was born. So I look in this story with Abraham and Sarah, and I see that there's a moment that Abraham could have spoke up right then and said, Sarah, I love you, and I, I, this cannot be easy for you because I've already tried to give you away once, so I'm sure you're still dealing with insecurity about that. And I don't know if I've apologized correctly, so I just want to tell you I'm sorry about that. I want you with me at all times. But God spoke to me even when I was thinking maybe a child would come a different way, and he said that we were going to have a son. And Sarah, I want to tell you something. I know you're a woman of faith, and I don't care how old we are. I know that God is going to fulfill this promise. How different their situations would have looked. You know, last week we talked about that God had to intervene in the situation with Abraham and Sarah and God's having to do it again. And listen, God knows he's gonna have to do it with us. He sees the decisions we're making and he's thinking, yep, I'm gonna have to come in the middle of this one again. Oh, I'm gonna have to help him see this. But that's what's so incredible about God. But I wanna challenge you, where is your faith as a single person, dating person, as a married couple, but where's your faith when you've been joined together to have and to hold? Are you holding on to the things that God has spoken? See, we knew when we got married that we were gonna have children. We knew that. And we had to hold on to those promises even when it didn't look possible even when we didn't have answers. Now, yours might not be children. You might be holding on to the promise to even have a spouse. You might be holding on to a promise for your child who's older to come back to the things of God. Yeah, but what are you doing collectively as a couple to have and to hold on to the things that God has said? You know, the word have means to experience, but the word hold is a privilege and a position of responsibility. You are responsible for the words that God has spoken to your family. You are responsible to the things that you know that God has said. And we will make decisions based on money. We will make decisions based on what's easy. And in this situation, Abraham shut his mouth because this was easier. It was easier to take a young woman and have her birth a child than to believe that, your wom- that the woman that God had given him who was way over age could have a child. This was easier. And how many of us have taken the easier route? And how many of us are still holding on because we know what God says? You know, I want you to write this down because I'm going to explain some things about what the enemy did here with speaking in this situation where Sarah says, go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant. Funny, you understand they were both Egyptians that they gave each other to. Abraham gave gave Sarah to the Egyptians, and now she is giving Abraham to an Egyptian. They have not broken this thing yet. And I say this, there are things in your lineage you've not broken yet. And that's why the spirit of divorce tries to raise its head up in your home. That's why the spirit of depression tries to raise itself. That's why fear and anxiety, because it's not been broken yet. And it's just a cycle that continues and continues. The enemy's plan is to pause your purpose. What do I mean by that? The enemy has no problem with you believing that God's going to do what he's going to say. But if he can get you to pause, and he can get you to, if you ever paused a movie and then didn't go back, you never saw the end. The enemy's fine with that. As long as the end doesn't happen, he'll let you believe it as long as he can get you to pause it. And how many of us have put a pause on the things that God has spoken? How many of us have paused our purpose? In marriage, how many of us have have stopped the purpose of why we got married in the first place and it's been put on pause? If all you do as a married couple is communicate to get things done, you're not living in the fullness of what God has spoken. Look through your text messages between your spouse. If it's always about, what are we doing here? What's happening here? Communicate, communicate. Because in the moment where Sarah, it was, it was I need, we need to figure out something, so I'm just gonna communicate enough to get this done. I'm not gonna communicate that I'm hurting that I can't get pregnant. I'm not gonna communicate that I'm fearful that I won't get pregnant. I'm just gonna come up with a solution just to get it done. And how many of us are living in marriages where we're only communicating to get things done? And not to communicate the love and the affection. And a lot of times we're not doing that because of the hurts and the pains that are inside. I believe Sarah was still hurting from what happened prior. You know, we see this whole entire story and we see that God is trying so much to get through. We see that he's communicating, but the problem is, is the cycle. The cycle that they keep going through. You know, the word of God says this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against every principality and power. But I feel like we want to skip over that part. Demonic forces are fighting against you and your marriage. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You don't wrestle against your spouse, your family, but against demonic spirits. You say demonic in church now, people panic even though that is a church word. But there is a demonic force out there that is looking at taking you out, that is looking at dividing your marriage, that is looking to divide your family, that is doing everything it can to keep you from the purpose that he'd rather you just pause. The devil didn't mind that I believed that God was bringing me a husband. What he tried to get me to do was to pause my purpose because I was going through a time in my life that I had started working at a church. And it was an exciting, I mean, this church was growing over 6,000 members. I I mean, and and I went from administrator to, um, I, I ran all their small groups for the entire place. We had over 75 small groups running at the time. I went from that to being the college pastor to preaching on Wednesday nights for thousands. And I remember thinking, man, stuff is really moving. And I remember getting sucked into this lifestyle of drinking every single night while I'm on staff as a college pastor. I had never touched anything my whole life until I was 28 years old. And I show up at this church and they all on the staff convinced me that I had been wrong on my thought process. As long as you don't get like real, real drunk, it's okay. It was pretty much what they told me. So you could feel totally out of it every night, but as long as you weren't hammered, you were fine. And I remember living like that. And what's funny, I was doing a lot of preaching, but I wasn't doing any singing. I was talking a lot, but there was no leading worship. I know what God was doing now. He was protecting the gift. But I remember coming up out of that. I remember waking up one day and thinking, this is not me. This is not okay. Because alcoholism runs in in the history of my family. And I remember thinking, my personality cannot handle this. I cannot do this. And most people can't. I mean, I remember growing up in youth ministry, and I remember, I mean, our college ministry, I remember our college pastor saying, hey, if any of you in here ever think you could have a problem with alcohol, raise your hand. Well, we all raised your hand because there was a possibility. He said, then just stay away from it. If there's a possibility at all that you could have a problem, and I thought that's a good way to look at it because Paul says, hey, it could be permissible, but is it really going to benefit you? At the end of the day, is it really going to be beneficial? Because no, you're not going to, I can't show you a scripture that says don't, don't have a beer or don't do this, but I can show you a lot of scriptures of what it says that stuff can do to you and your family. That's what I do know. So I remember breaking away from this stuff and I remember uh, being at a, I ended up leaving the church because it was just hard for me to be there and around all that. And I began to just see some things weren't right. And I'm, thank God I I got out because about two years later, the pastor fell in a, in a horrific way. And so I was glad that I wasn't there that time, but I was working out of college as a recruiter and I didn't even go to their college and I didn't even go to college. And they hired me as a recruiter. Tell me that. It was my personality, you know, so they're like, "Ah, it's okay. You never went to college, you know, you'd be great at recruiting for our college. And I was like, okay, I just needed a job. I didn't really care. And so um, it was a Christian college. It was awesome. And I got this email from these, these youth pastors and a husband and wife had heard me lead worship somewhere. And they said, we'd love to have you come lead worship in Ponca, Arkansas. And I remember thinking I'm in no place to come and lead worship because I left the church, but I was still drinking because I couldn't let it go. And I was like, there's no way I can go. I just, you know, at least I had enough sense to just not feel right about doing that. And and, and at this time, my my purpose is on pause at this time. The enemy didn't mind that I believed all the things that I believed, that one day I was going to be a youth pastor and and we were going to change the world and all this stuff. He was fine with that as long as it was on pause for me. And I remember getting this email, and I love to tell you that the Spirit of God filled the room, and I got set free, and I decided to go. No, I decided to go because they were going to pay me, and I needed money really bad. That's the only reason I went. And I got up there and I began to lead worship that night outside in Ponca, Arkansas. And Matt, who is running our live stream right now, was running our sound that night. And I was up there and he did a great job. So I was like, well, at least they know what they're doing here. So I'm not ticked off that I'm outside, you know. And I was leading worship and this man gets up and begins to minister alongside me and begins to preach. And I remember thinking to myself, surely in the mess I'm in right now, God's not bringing me my husband right now. <laughs> like, surely. Like, the one year in my whole life that I've decided to, to, to do these things that I know are not God, and this is, the, this is the week you bring him? And I'll never forget, I led worship for almost three hours. I led worship so hard that I had lost my voice completely by the next day. Um, And I remember God said, I want you to go out to where, so it was like I was leading worship, and I went out, and I sat in the seats, and he said, I want you to give it all to me. You'll never touch it again. I want you to give me every bit of it. And as you can probably tell, it was Brian who was preaching, and so we ended up talking after that, and I remember after, it was an incredible conference with all these kids, and I remember after it, he called me on the phone Sunday after church, he was talking, and he was like, what is your views on drinking? And I was like, okay, I'm going to give you like a, like a long story. So for 27 years, I didn't touch this stuff. You're like, I'm counting when I was like a newborn, like, right? Like, I just, I needed every year possible for this story. And I was like, I kind of went through a really weird year. And I was telling him, he's like, so when was the last time you drank? I was like, the night before the conference. But I haven't since then. <laughs> Three days. <laughs> I was a winner, and uh, I said, but this is what I do know. I said, when I walked out there, I gave every bit of that to God, and he said, I feel like I know the integrity that I feel that's inside of you, and I just, that's good enough for me, and I remember that moment, and we were married six months later, because we were both 29, so we knew what we were doing, so calm down, any 15-year-olds in here being like, six months, it's awesome. <laughs> Don't you flip and do it. I will come and find you. And, uh, and we just knew what we were waiting on, but the enemy had no problem with me pausing all parts of my purpose. And in this story that, that we see, the enemy had no problem with them pausing this, but God. See, even in my own story, but God showed up. It was in the thing that I've been called to do that set me free. And that's what's so interesting because I know it's not my gift, but it was in using the gift that God gave me that I was freed from an addiction <laughs> and that I wasn't even willing to admit I had until that moment. And I don't know where you've maybe paused your purpose and maybe paused your purpose in, in, in marriage, but I, I want to encourage you to come out of that, to come out of the pause, to start having some forward movement if that's having a conversation, if that's sharing your heart and your insecurities. And listen, women, they're not gonna understand fully how we feel. my I don't even know if my, my husband understands insecurity when it comes to certain things. I mean, the man just wakes up every day and he's like... I mean, right? I mean, that's just how he is. And I'm like, yes. I'm like, yeah, you do. I love you. Now he's got these glasses and he's like, hey, what do you think? You know? And I'm like, you look hot. I mean, I love it, you know? But then I walk around the house and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm working on it. And he's like, I don't know why you keep talking about it. Like, you literally, like, you are amazing. Like, stop. And it's like, I live in these insecure. So understand, they might not fully understand, but they will Listen. And husbands, you need to listen. You don't have to understand why we feel the way we feel. We just need you to hear us. Because in hearing us, we feel safe. And that's what's important to us. We need to feel safe. So then we go to the story in Genesis 18. And I'm gonna read verses 10, 12, 14 through 15. I've got 11 minutes, I got this. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. God sent angels to come and speak because of how off they were. So just know, if you get that off and you hear a knock on the door, you better watch out because God's going to do whatever he can to get through to you. Sarah was listening to the conversation from the tent. Of course she was. She was a woman. <laughs> I mean, I mean, duh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're make, I mean, every time Brian's on a phone call, I'm like, who is that? And he's like, you tell me who that is right now, because I don't know. And then he gets all the phone. He's like, seriously, I can't even concentrate on what you're doing. I was like, I needed to know. He's like, why? I was like, I don't know. It's like something in me. I'm about to go crazy if I don't know who you're talking to, you know? And it could be about something like mountain climbing. And I'm like, oh, who is that? And he's like, like, you care. He's like, you know, and it's just, but so, yeah. So when I read that, I was like, oh, of course she was. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master and my husband is so old. Isn't it funny that we'll laugh a lot of times when we're in pain? We make jokes. You ever done that? No? Okay. Well, I'm not as spiritual as you are, so that's what I do. I'll make a joke about my weight or I'll make a joke about my features. I'll make a joke because I'm hiding the pain of how I feel and what I'm feeling. Then the angel who happened to hear her because angels don't have to be close to hear what you say is anything hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. I'm gonna repeat what I just said now that I'm talking to you, even though you eavesdropped. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, I know you did laugh. <laughs> I love it. Jesus is sometimes savage. I don't know if y'all know that. Like totally savage. We'll just come right at you, like, nope, nope, you totally did. Just own it, move on. But you laughed. And the interesting thing here is is she's in pain and and God is still speaking the same word. Because I want to say this to you, purpose can be found in pain. Purpose can be found in pain. I wrote that on Tuesday, purpose can be found in pain, not knowing that on Thursday morning or Thursday in the middle of the night, Brian is in Tulsa our baby girl, Anaya, her outlet starts going off, and her heart rate is at 298. And she is, I can't even explain what was happening to her. Um, she was completely flushed white, and she's black, so it was very noticeable something was not right. And um, I called he happened to answer, and I put him on speaker. I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, this thing is going off. She's, she doesn't look right, and she's doing something weird with her face. I don't know what's happening. He said, you need to get to the hospital right now. So thank God, my, uh, my sister, who's our uh, creative director, she lives downstairs, and so I screamed at her. I said, come up, and she grabbed her, and she said her color doesn't. I said, I understand that. Like, she's not responding. We just, we have to go. And um, I didn't grab the car seat, diaper bag. I didn't do anything, because I wasn't about to strap the child that's not breathing well into a car seat, you know, because I hate it anyways, you know? And so, but that's fine. Don't email me about that either, because you didn't go through what I went through. Okay, so I got it when we were on our way home, okay? So we, I'd go ahead and... Um, I called some friends of ours and they said, you need to take her to Children's because they're just going to know quicker what's going on. So we took her there and she was in SV2, uh, SVT is what they call it. And so her rhythm was totally off. And so I had written this purpose in pain. So the doctor comes over to me and we're in this room and she said, I need to explain to you how we're going to get her rhythm back. Cause I just thought they would just tap her or do something. She said, I have to take this ice bag and I have to smother her. And we have to hold it on there. And then when I take it off, she will make such a huge gasp, it will put her back in. So she might experience a moment of pain, but there's a purpose behind it. It's going to put her rhythm back. I said, well, I'm not watching you do this, and I'm not holding her. She was like, no, no, we don't want you to hold her while we're doing this. I was like, okay, because I mean, she, I do not want her to think I have anything to do with this. And I told her, I whispered, I said, your mom is not doing this to you. <laughs> And uh, I remember going over to the side and I remember looking up for a minute. And I could just see her feet just kicking when they took it off. She did the huge gasp and immediately 144 It went exactly where it was supposed to be. And, um, we got released about five hours later. They said, we think this is absolutely just a flute deal. And I said, I'm connecting with that in the name of Jesus. That's exactly what this was. This will not happen to her again. And I'm coming in agreement with that word. And, uh, And I remember going home and looking over my notes the next day and I thought, man, there have been times that I'm facing something and God is probably looking and my feet are kicking because I'm just in pain. I'm in pain because I don't know, I don't know which, when God's going to come through with something. I don't know if my marriage is going to be restored. Maybe that's you. I don't know what it's going to look like and you're kicking and you're kicking but then there's this moment where all of a sudden you get that breath from God, that deep breath. You know what I'm talking about, that breath that you get, and all of a sudden you're revived. And now you everything's back on rhythm. It's exactly where it should be. And that's why I want you to know there's purpose can be found in your pain. And I knew for that 15 seconds what Anaya was going to go through. There was a purpose behind it. And what God knows is there's a purpose behind the pain that we're walking through. He did not cause it, but he will, he will make sure purpose comes from it. He will make sure that there's a purpose behind what you've walked through. And that's what I want to encourage you with. No matter where you are in your marriage, no matter where you are in situations, and no matter if you're a single person and you feel like it's never gonna happen, there is purpose found in your pain. And we know in the story that the angels come back a year later and she's, she's pregnant. Even though she laughed, even though she questioned, God still moved. That's what's so incredible with God. Even if you're still wondering, he's still going to come through. He just needs us to have a little bit of faith to believe. Just a little bit. You know, in the Christian circle, people used to buy necklaces that, you know, the mustard seed to remind themselves. And if you have one of those, I'm not making fun of you. I was just saying. They'd sold them all the time at conferences I would go to. (laughs) I was like, I don't, you know. And I'm just not a mustard seed-wearing kind of gal. Okay, so that's that's what it is for me. Okay, so that's just not my thing. and uh, But I love the fact that it's so tiny and to know that's all God needs. That's all he needs. And I remember I was doing a live stream one time for the women on emotionally healthy spirituality. That book is life-changing. And I remember I had, Brian had used mustard seed for something and there was one on the desk and I remember just kind of flicking it off. And God said, isn't that incredible that as quickly as you could just tell that mustard seed to go, that's the only thing that I need to connect with you. It's something that was so simple for you. That's all I need. Just a little bit. To know that he's able, to know that he's good, to know that he'll do it. That's all he needs from us. Make Holy Spirit a part of your marriage because I, you know, last week we talked on partnership and even though Brian was not in the room with me, he was with me because he was on speakerphone and he was declaring and he was speaking over Anaya's body. We begin to cry out in the name of Jesus and we said, breathe in the name of Jesus. Breathe in the name of Jesus. Because in those moments, you don't know what else to do. I got dressed, I put on everything backwards, didn't even realize it until halfway through the hospital stay. I had this big old fleece on that said, it should have said obey, but it said yebo because I had it on backwards. Pockets were all sticking out. I was a mess. <laughs> I didn't even know what was going on. But I look, and we're dedicating babies today at the second service, and is being dedicated today. And I'm aware that the enemy is is not happy with her because her life was already tried to be taken before because if you didn't know the story, she was an abortion save. The mom didn't have enough cash to go through with it. And she, I think, was at six or seven months with her. And I look at her all the time, and I just... I just thank God. And I'm so thankful for her mom who didn't have enough because she was still questioning it and made the bravest decision that I know. But I'm gonna say this because I will never use that platform. I have people that I grew up with and friends of mine that had abortions. And you know what? They don't need to feel condemnation because when they gave their life to Jesus, all that was washed away. And you know what? Those babies are whole and healed and in heaven and never experienced pain. So you know what? And And maybe if that's something you did, I'd never want you to take our story and think, oh my God, no, that's her story. Your story is full of redemption and reconciliation and what God can do and he can take a mess and make a miracle. And I want you to know that you should not be living in pain. You should not be living wondering if God is mad, wondering any of those things. He loves you. You are a daughter of the king, and it does not matter what you've done. He is still so in love with you. And I just felt like I was supposed to say that for somebody today, so you better know it. He's in love with you, and he is not holding that over you, and you should not be holding that over. That's why I love that song, which shame has stolen. Shame will steal years of joy, and it's not God, it's shame. And shame tries to steal joy out of marriages, and shame tries to steal so much. But we have to look to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and know that he's able. With every head bowed and eyes closed, God, I just ask you that you continue to heal people in this room. That, Holy Spirit, you begin to show us the purpose in the midst of our pain. That, God, you begin to speak to us and that we are not going to silence our spouses. That, God, we're going to hear your voice and only your voice. That, God, only you're allowed in our marriage. God, outside voices are not allowed. You and you alone, Holy Spirit, are welcome into our marriages. Holy Spirit, for every single person, let them hear your voice when it comes to who they date and who they marry. And God, I thank you that you're restoring marriages that have felt like they have been dead for years, that, God, you're going to breathe life as they've been kicking and screaming, wondering, why did I get in this thing for the first place? That, God, you begin to breathe a new breath into their lungs and a new rhythm for their marriage, God. Heal their marriage, Holy Spirit. If you're in this place this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior... I'm talking about intimate. I'm talking about he is it for you. I just want to see your hand because I want to pray with you this morning. If there's anybody in here, and maybe you want to rededicate your life, thank you for that hand. Maybe you want to come back. You said a prayer, but you didn't mean it. Thank you for that hand. And you want to rededicate. This is the most important thing we do all week long. If you'll say this prayer with me, Jesus, I ask you, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins be my lord and savior in jesus mighty name amen